This is the story of Henry Sutton, Australia's greatest inventor. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Henry Sutton story, in which we will find out how his life ends, and his great-granddaughter and biographer Lorraine Branch will reveal the very last invention he was working on. And if you've followed the story so far about his work with music, telephones, wireless and visual communication, you can take a guess at just how he wanted to combine all of these things. It's the year 1910. The first public radio broadcast is made, transmitting performances of the opera from the Metropolitan Opera House in New York. Harry Houdini comes to Australia and makes one of the first powered flights in Australian history. The Royal Australian Navy is officially created with an act of parliament. And the first horror movie, a filmed version of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, is released to the public. And Henry Sutton has been experimenting with what is known as a Galena detector. Henry has had a gutful of the Postmaster General's department. The stalling and bureaucratic time-wasting and form-filling has exhausted even Henry's legendary optimism and energy. The back and forth continues between the newly formed Royal Australian Navy and the Postmaster General's office, who were dismissive of their repeated pleas from the Navy to allow Henry to continue to research wireless without threats of fines or imprisonment. They continue the paper chase, but Henry has something new to work on. In his research to find and develop new crystals with which to power his wireless radio sets, he makes a discovery. He's discovered that using a lead sulphide, otherwise known as galena, is really good at amplifying radio waves. Here's Graeme Hood, former electrical engineering lecturer from the School of Mines Ballarat, He's going to teach you what a Galena detector is and what it does in 22 seconds. Henry's, basically, his Galena diode, Galena is lead. It is a lead crystal. So what they do is they put effectively a needle on that lead crystal. You don't make a really good connection. And in the process, the joint between the two dissimilar metals oxidizes. So then we have lead and lead oxide, and that's a semiconductor. And that allows the current to pass in one direction only. On this occasion... Henry Sutton most definitely takes out the patent on this idea. And that's why, a couple of months later, when he reads a copy of the industry journal The Electrician, he gets pretty fired up to read that a man named William Eccles is claiming to be the first to invent a Galena-to-Galena detector. William Henry Eccles published a paper in, in 1910, his discovery of the Galena-Galena detector and his experiments and, and announcing that he's the first to come up with this in the world. And, and Henry in Australia is reading this going, hang on a minute, I've already taken out a patent for that and I demonstrated that a couple of years ago. <laughs> to the Navy. <laughs> so he wrote to the electrician and sent them all the evidence of, of, of his discovery and what he'd done. And, and then uh, they published that after they published Henry um, Eccles' paper and because they'd sent what Henry sent to Eccles to, for, for a comment. And Eccles uh, wrote back and said, well, uh, an, an apology letter which was published uh, crediting Henry with the discovery first 
But then he went on. It was sort of a half apology. The good thing about the ending of that was, in the end, there was only these two men at the time that were working on this. And and so Henry organised with Eccles to, as as he improved his detector, it wasn't a switch, it was a detector, um, he got Eccles to verify his work. So then... Eccles became the verifier as the, it improved and the, and the patent then was established again because it was only a provisional. He, he verified his work and it became a patent, a proper patent, and um, the rest is history up until a point. And it's worth revisiting this apology because it goes some way to explaining what happens next. This is an excerpt of what William Eccles wrote in reply to Henry Sutton's letter in The Electrician, 1910. I thank you for giving me the opportunity of being the first to congratulate Mr. Sutton on the fact that his paper for a Galena detector antedates my paper. I may add that it would have been a matter of great regret to me if the paper had, by prior publication, injured a meritorious inventor. And here's how Henry Sutton was written out of history, and why his name does not appear there next to William Eccles as the inventor of the technology that gave us the superconductor. When Eccles came up with the term diode in 1919, funny how suddenly Henry's name dropped off the history books. When you say dropped off, what do you mean? Well, it no longer, when you look at anything that was published after 1919 in relation to wireless discoveries or, or when they were referencing anything, it just became Eccles, not Sutton Eccles. Eccles has come up with the term diode and then they used that and then they just associated it and Henry was in a way written out of history from that point. And by this stage too, he's seven years in the grave. He, he's not there to be able to argue to his case. say, well, hang on a minute, that was my discovery, even though you've put a name to it, that was my discovery. And because the years went by and people forget, and it became my quest to co- try and understand what he'd done, and, and it was the reference about that apology letter. And hang on a minute, and every time you went back to that point in history, it was always to that date, that point, that in that particular journal that everybody said, that's the point. That's the discovery. And I, well, I had to sort of work out, well, hang on a minute, why was Henry written out of that, you know, and you realised all, all the books, 1919 was the line, and when he came up with the diode. Finally, finally, I found another wireless expert in England who unfortunately by this time had just recently died, but he'd written about about this particular episode in in, in history in 1980, about 1985. And he was writing about the, the history of the transistor. And the first thing he wrote was, if not for Henry Sutton in Australia. Ah, thank you. <laughs> it was like, yes, yes, I was right. I was following my clues and what I thought. And it was like, yes, thank you very much. And then I found another reference from an American wireless guy who was quoting Eccles at that, that, that particular article and that particular time, but we know Henry did it first. So he's saying exactly the same thing, but without the Sutton, but it, we know it was Sutton. So it was like, thank you. I, I can verify that it was Henry that came up with what we now know is the diode. It was a, Semiconductors were around 
before, but this particular one became more p powerful and the, the signal could go further. So, yeah, and it eventually led to the discovery of the transistor. The year is 1912. In February, Australia's first wireless station will be opened in Melbourne. The Governor-General, the Premier and many federal politicians will be on hand to witness the debut of the Balsillie system of wireless. Balsillie is an expert from London who's been hired by the federal government. It's a year after the Marconi Corporation has begun aggressive legal action against anyone using wireless equipment. It will be another 30 years before Marconi's claim to invented radio is thrown out of court and his theft of patent ideas from Nikola Tesla are put on the record. What's not recorded in the history books of Australian telegraphy and telecommunications is that the demonstration of Australia's new wireless system in 1912 was an abject failure. Four days later, Henry Sutton was quietly brought in to fix the system. He writes a letter to the editor of the Argus newspaper confirming it's his equipment that was installed, but asks that this information be kept confidential. Lorraine Branch has a copy of this letter. In April, the RMS Titanic will hit an iceberg and sink. The brass musicians of Ballarat will pay for the construction of a bandstand to honour the musicians who died doing their job. By the end of July, Henry Sutton will be dead of chronic nephritis and heart failure. In the year previous, Henry has been quietly taking out new patents for wireless broadcasting and has also patented the name of an invention that doesn't make it into production. In fact, it doesn't make it into Lorraine's book. It is one of the many elusive threads in the Henry Sutton story. I am sitting in front of a wall of folders covering everything, wireless, telephone, engine, uh, all kinds of stuff, ele electric light vacuum pump, all kinds of things to do with what Henry Sutton invented. And I'm holding a folder and I'm looking down at the front page and it says... Henry sold the trademark as he knew he was dying and could not go on with his vision. I'm going to hand you this folder now. What, what is the name of this folder? And tell me about this, this invention that is not in your book, but was the last thing that, that Henry left for the world. He trademarked the word Fanola. And his vision was, with the music store, this is when, at a time with the record players no longer had the speaker outside but was now inside the box and the onflow of that was well now I think well we've worked on vision and television we've worked on radio I work in a music store what should I produce now what can be in the future and the future was an entertainment system where you had not only the record player you had the radio and you had the television. Now, if you follow the evolution of these three things, that's what you end up getting. But that was Henry's vision in when he came up with the word Fanola, which he then, because he was dying and he had no, he knew he was not going to achieve this goal, he sold it to the Canadian company Electrohome, who had actually. Um, trademarked it in Canada but found out that it was trademarked here by Henry and Henry didn't sell it to them at first but then when he was knew he was not very well he decided well I'll sell it to them now and he ended up selling it to Electrohome in, 
and they now own that name and that was one of the biggest companies in Canada selling uh, record players and became quite huge like Westinghouse. The three-in-one stereo unit, I mean, that was synonymous with the, the 80s, with the 90s. Of course, another thing designed, you know, 70-odd years earlier by, by Henry Sutton. Yes, it, it was a vision. He always had a vision for the future. The visual medium was what he liked to think of and how he could achieve that. So things came to you and people could enjoy and the world was at your feet. And to be able to see things visually, to transmit pictures, to see things that were happening somewhere else, all these things were part of what his vision was. He knew what what the future could be. And as we all benefit from that vision today, we can thank Henry for all the steps that it took him and other people like him to achieve for you to be able to do that all with a little handheld piece of equipment. <laughs> can you imagine a wireless device capable of transmitting voice, music and pictures which you can carry in your hand? Something you can transmit images, even moving images with? I bet you can. You might even be listening to this podcast using one of those devices. In the past 10 years, Lorraine Branch has been on a journey that started with seeing a vague mention of her great-grandfather's homemade car on television, to seeing him honoured as the main focus of the 2011 Ballarat Heritage Festival. In 2014, the Telecommunications Society of Australia, what was once the Wireless Institute, began its annual Henry Sutton Memorial Lectures. The university decided, well, H Henry was quite inspiring, so when they built the new industrial skills building and manufacturing building, they decided to use Henry as, as an inspiration for the students about what they can achieve. And there's a huge mural where the book launch will be of Henry, and there's a timeline wrapped around the wall where the students sit and talk and eat. And that, that's to inspire them so they can see what they might be able to achieve in the future. And I'm very proud of the fact that it was through my hard work and promoting Henry that they became so aware of what he'd done that they, they thought to honour him in this way and it felt appropriate to have my book launch there. Lorraine is now hard at work at getting the word on Henry Sutton out to the rest of the world and hopefully his name back into the pages of history as the rightful inventor of some of the world's most influential technological advances. You've said to me constantly that this book isn't the last word. This book is a starting point. Yes, the book, I'm hoping when it, when it comes out, that it'll connect up with other people's research and writing and memories and families of people that are named in the book and new information will come out. I feel sometimes I've only scratched the surface about Henry and I'm sure there's so much more out there to, to expand on and I know there's so much more about the wireless, there's so much more about these inventions and what things led to. But and until people come forward and start going, connecting the dots, that, that, that'll remain a mystery, but I'm hoping the book will help that. A lot of us never get to meet our great-grandfathers. You've kind of met yours. Yeah, I, I live with Henry every day. 
<laughs> he's become a fixture. I sit in my office is called Sutton Central. <laughs> that gives you an idea. And he's guided me through finding everything. I followed him in his footsteps. I followed where he wrote letters. I, what did you do next? And I put myself in his shoes. And where, who did you know? Who did you write to? You know, these were the questions I asked myself to find. My bookcase is full of references, tens of thousands of pages to piece together the story of Henry from all over the world. And finally, it's all together in one book. There's a TV special planned about Henry Sutton. There's a movie being spoken about. It's the end of this story for now. Because there's always more to find out. And there's always the chance that someone might stumble upon an old telephone handset or an old radio receiver or perhaps even an old car. And we still want to find out that message. What did Henry send to the bridge of the USS Connecticut as it sailed the Pacific some 5,000 kilometres away from Australia? And more to the point, what did the American sailors say? My name is Jared Watt. Don't forget, you can read about the full story with complete primary sources, end notes and details of all the patents in the book titled Henry Sutton, An Innovative Man, written by Lorraine Branch, and published December 2018. Thank you for listening.